as you engage in social and as you make selling social, I think the new window of opportunity for differentiation is to ask yourself, how can I help my customers feel more confident in the choices they're making? How can I give them a framework, a scaffold, a guide, a tool, a diagnostic, a benchmark that is not going to just be one more piece of information, but is not a product, a piece of information, but a tool for them to make decisions. Welcome to the Making Sales Social podcast, featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join host Bryn Tillman as she brings you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here is your host, Bryn Tillman. So today might be my number one favorite day of all of 2022 because I get to interview Bren Adamson, who, as everyone listening knows, if you're in any sales capacity at all, is the co-author of The Challenger Sale and The Challenger Customer and has transformed the way that people go to market today, the way they engage with their buyers, the way they are now more productively disrupting the industry. Brent, welcome to Making Sales Social. Thank you, Brent. It's it's great to be here. Thanks for the intro. It's like, um, I just like to talk loud and say things quickly. <laughs> if, it, if it's had an impact, that was purely byproduct and happy coincidence. <laughs> yeah, but I had mentioned in the pre-show how yeah. you have absolutely transformed my business. So I'll, I'll briefly for the listeners, um, 12 years ago, my client Aramark handed me the challenger sale and said, go make this LinkedInized. And I did. And, and it really took me from being an average trainer to bringing, I think, the most incredible value that doesn't lead with your solution, but leads to your solution. So I thank you, Brent, for the brilliant gems and gold. And <laughs> the little pearls of wisdom that are all based on good data. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, Brent, because when you, when you go out there and you, you share what are potentially disruptive ideas, reframing ideas, you create a wake behind you of just of churn in the water. People are like, who is that? And crap, what do we do now? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. Good luck with that. I got to go on. To, I got to catch a flight home. But the... Uh, but it is, it's been really interesting. And I think in some ways is the model that a lot of companies are pursuing now is, is it's like uh, creating markets, creating in a, it's creating a space into which your business can flow. And what I effectively done purely, it was not intentional. I don't know if it was accidental either, but, um, but the, I wouldn't say I, but the challenger work, the challenger IP has created a space into which all sorts of individuals and companies have, have been able to flow to create all sorts of really interesting ideas, interesting opportunities, interesting new markets. And it's um, mm-hmm. to have that kind of impact is it, um, it's humbling. I mean, it's it deeply humbling and, but just cool. It's cool to see that, you know what it is? And you're the perfect example of this. It's the creativity that if you just give someone a new idea, a new way to think about things and just put it in their hands, even like just with, it works with kids too, but with us adults, because we're all humans and just, watch the magic happen. And, and I am more floored, not by anything I've been able to do. I'm, I'm more floored by people like you who've been able to take this basically a couple of bar charts in the talk track and turn it into amazing opportunities. So my hat's off to you. I'm honestly, and everyone else out there listening has done cool stuff individually and 
collectively. It's it's pretty amazing. Well, I we appreciate the groundbreaking work that you and Matt did to get to this point. So, yeah. oh, by the way, when you say it like that, I got to tell you, there's a whole lot of other people involved. They're all in the. No one ever reads acknowledgments of a book, but it was important to us. Like just like here's the cast of characters. This was a huge team effort. So Matt and I get to put the name our names on the book. But wow, there's just a lot of incredibly talented people. I, I know not everyone cares about that. I care about that. So I had to say it real quick, but keep, I anyway. love that. Yeah. You know, the Challenger sale taught us about our personalities as salespeople, about what really works, yeah. um, about what to do with that brilliant lone wolf who might be breaking a lot of things. And you're afraid to challenge that person yeah. because they're making commissions and they're making yeah. sales to the challenger customer, where we looked more about into how buyers are thinking, right? And so yeah. when we marry the two together, we create this, there's the buyer's journey and the seller's journey. Um, and it's these two books together that really create successful enterprise sales opportunities. So Again, I'm at least they, they, they get you, they, they take you a little farther down the path. You know, the, um, there, there is, uh, I've seen lots of people try and struggle because it's hard by the way, but also because they don't want to, or because they don't get it, or because frankly, it's just, it's not a good fit for the, there's a thousand reasons, but I've seen people try and struggle to apply these ideas, but, but hopefully it gives individuals an idea of at least things to try it's just a different perspective and and you think about sort of just thinking about still to this day but i think in, but for what it's worth the challenger customer i think is the more underappreciated book um and is in some ways the better book uh and even today uh, i have debates in fact just this morning i was having a debate about you we did find our customer champion it's like mm, i don't because one of the things we do in the challenger customer we talk about the difference between a customer champion and a customer mobilizer a champion is someone who's a fan for mm -hmm. you a mobilizer is someone's a fan for change and if I had to pick between those mm -hmm. two, I'd pick the mobilizer 10 times out of 10 because that's what you're selling. You're selling change. Like, I love that you love me, but can you actually freaking get anything done inside your company? That's what mm -hmm. I need if I'm going to actually make, you know, uh, my quota this quarter. So, so anyway, so there's, uh, I, I, now you just got me ranting. <laughs> Should we start yeah, with your first question? You have an opening question. Let's go with that. Okay. So the, question, <laughs> the first question we ask all of our, our yep. interviewees is, yeah. what does making sales social mean to you? Well, all right. So this, you could, you, you may just have launched me onto a, a 60 minute answer. So I'll try not to do that. But so making sales social, when you started doing this 10 years, let me, I'm going to actually, let me do this. Let me answer your question with a question. It's kind of not a cool thing to do, but would you, or would you not, would you argue that making sales social today is different than making sales social 10 years ago when you started? Is it is it different? And if so, how? So let's say it's different than 14 years ago. And then 12 years ago, I read your book. So, okay. so sales social. So there's a yeah. different yeah. goal, right? So yeah. there's a goal of attracting, teaching, engaging yeah. our buyers in a way that disrupts their current thinking, right? Yeah. Yep. So, so uh, you know, part of our definition of social selling is to get them thinking differently about their current solution. If we 100%. can't do that. And clearly, you know, I, I learned a lot from you, but that that's yeah. such a core. So, you know, our five things, right, is mm -hmm. resonate with your buyers, create curiosity, teach them something new. Mm -hmm. Number four is that gets them thinking differently about their current situation. Because when we started saying teach them something new, mm -hmm. if we didn't get them to the second piece of 
think that gets them thinking differently that the current solution we never got to number five which was create a compelling moment yeah no, that i i so i'm i'm obviously i guess i don't know obvious or not but i'm on board because that is completely consistent as you've already mentioned with the challenger work let me fast forward to today though because i think in 2012 right when linkedin was emerging it was already a big deal then right. but it was still emerging and social selling was absolutely right these are the days when like early jill rowley were like you know she was out there teaching the world how to do this in ways that no one had seen right but now you fast forward to today so this is now 10 years later and the landscape is quite different so i'm not suggesting in any shape i promise <laughs> that social selling is bad but or or ineffective or or is jump the shark or whatever but I do think it's actually changed. And so um, let me throw this out there. There's an article uh, th that captures a lot of what I'm about to share with you all in the Harvard Business Review, which I wrote um, while I was still at Gartner. I've since departed Gartner, but um, it is the January, February issue of the Harvard Business Review, the print magazine, um, and it's called Sense Making for Sales. And the, the heart and soul of Sense Making for Sales as, as an idea, an article, this whole idea of sense making is that the world we live in today is different for customers in some pretty fundamental ways. There's a long version, a short version. Let's see if I can do the short version. But if I go back, uh, say, uh, six, seven years ago, early, early days of Challenger. And in the Challenger customer, we talk about this a lot with the blue arrow. It's actually gray in the book because we think print and color. But the uh, but this arrow that says that customers are on average about 57% of the way through a purchase process before they proactively reach out to a sales rep to get their input on what they're doing. So they're learning on their own. They're going out, doing their own due diligence, usually, of course, through digital and, and researching, surfacing information. They're on LinkedIn. This is part of your point is like, that's why you have to be in social. I used to ask, and I still do, um, two critical questions of particularly marketers, but sellers too. That's germane here, which is, where do your customers learn? And are you present where that learning is happening? Is it, and so... And for a seller, the answer is, well, they learn in digital. Oh, bleep, I better be there. And so enter stage left, Bryn and others to say, like, so let's get good at this. Let me help you become a great at this because you have to be because that's where learning is happening. And so I'm on board 100%. However, uh, nothing's ever easy, right? So what's yeah. happened, of course, is over the last 10 years, 10 years ago, when we made this big shift, it's not what you sell, it's how you sell. That's the heart and soul of Challenger. It's not that you differentiate mm -hmm. based on the products and solutions, not because they're not important, they're critically important, but they're easily replicable. Even great right. complex solutions can be copied by great competitors. Think UPS, FedEx, right? So the mm -hmm. uh, two world-class companies that go head-to-head -head across every single dimension of their world-class solutions. And so the, the, a lot of the story in Challenger Sale is if you're looking for that next big incremental window for differentiation, the new opportunity to stand out, it's not going to be based on what you sell, which is still critical. It's how you sell, how you go to market, how you interact with customers to, to stand out with insight and change the way customers think about their business. That book was lightning in a bottle because it hit right at this moment around 2010 where this this window of opportunity around solution mm -hmm. selling is a window of opportunity for differentiation around solution selling was mm -hmm. was rapidly narrowing. It wasn't closing, but it was narrowing. And so companies were looking for new ways to differentiate, to stand out. And lo and behold, whether it was the challenger work and insight or just how you sell more broadly, there's this broad consensus. You were there to see this too, right? We went on this journey together. We're right about this time is when I first started hearing from CMOs, CSOs, uh, CEOs, you know what we need to do here, Bren, Bren, you know what we need to do? We need to be a thought leader in our industry, right? Mm -hmm. So, because if we're a thought leader in our industry, we're going to stand out. We're going to have cutting edge messages and, and world-class insights to, to help our customers meet their mission critical priorities with our cutting edge technology. And they're going to come to us first because they know that we've got the best things to say. And whether or not you saw Challenger, read Challenger, adopted Challenger, or never even heard of Challenger, more 
the broader story across the last 10 years has been the story of competing on the basis of information and knowledge, and I would argue also insight for some. And, and particularly around 2015, you remember that's on the marketing side when content marketing, remember it just kind of came out of nowhere and blew up and all of a sudden we had the content marketing mm -hmm. associations and institutes. And now we got Scott Brinker, amazing guy doing his, you know, his, uh, his, he's the one that does the, the poster with all the different logos of all the MarTech uh, vendors. Oh, yeah, and that, yeah. It went from like 2000, I think Scott's up to like 7,000 vendors selling MarTech. And now we got better data than ever before. The point of all this being, we have a better infrastructure today than we've ever had in the past in terms of strategy, in terms of technology, in terms of inputs and data to create world-class information and distribute it at massive scale. We've created thought leadership factories, right? You know, if you go back to that blue arrow and the 57% of customers learning on their own in the old, back when I was in my 40s, in the old days, uh, it was a story. <laughs> of, you know, customers learning on their own and separating signal from noise. They're doing their own due diligence. They're doing their own research and they're looking for those standout ideas, those things that are really cutting edge, the thought leadership, the commercial insight, the challenger ideas. And I'm looking for them probably in social. So your point is like, be there with those ideas in social. But as we've all gotten really, really good at this, where it's left us, where it's left customer, I call this the smartness arms race. And we've all engaged in the last 10 years in a smartness arms race. And it turns out we've all gotten really good at it. If you fast forward to today, uh, and even prior to the pandemic, 2019-18 is when we first saw this in the research we were doing at Gartner, which is, again, part of this article now at, in, in Sense Making for Sales, is that the vast majority, 92% was the last number I was involved with at Gartner, uh, of customers will report, B, these are B2B buyers complex sales, were saying, uh, the information that we encountered as part of this purchase was generally of high quality. In other words, it's not just there's a lot of information out there. But there's a lot of really good information out there. It's credible. It's relevant. Mm -hmm. It's backed by evidence. It's supported by specialists. It's got, you know, it's 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 uh, it's it shows up the form of a bar chart. But it speaks to my mm -hmm. business. The problem is not that 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 the quality of information has gone way way up, which is great. The problem is there's so much of it, and now I'm actually in a new. I've got a new problem, which is as a customer. It used to be separate signal from noise, but now it is, it's all signal. It's all pretty reliable. It's all pretty good because everyone's a thought leader, but now I'm confused at a higher level because one of two things is happening. Either you're telling me to zig and they're telling me to zag. And that's great. But by the way, that was always challenging, right? Challenge like everyone right. said, and literally I was at a meeting in Palo Alto before the pandemic and someone said, Brett, I, I, he said, I just did what you told me to do. And it's always a terrifying thing when people say that. But I just did. It's like, oh, God, what did I tell them to do? But he said, look, the whole marketplace is out there telling our customers they need to go in this direction. And we're out there reframing. We're out there challenging. We're telling them right. they need to go in right. that direction. And it's a really compelling story. And I said, I, I'm with you. But I said, but from a customer's perspective, if they're telling me to zig and they've got data, they've got research, they've got experts, and you're telling me to zag and you've got data, you've got research, you've got experts. Now I'm just confused at a higher level because you're all pretty dang convincing, but you're telling me to, to do two different things. And so what, what that mm -hmm. does to me as a customer is it makes me two things, more confused and less confident. So now I'm more confused about what should I do, less confident making a decision. So what I ultimately fall back to, Brent, is I better do some more research. I better look at this even more. I better do more. Do And so then I'm off to do more learning and more research. And then I get more confused and I get what the paralysis of analysis. That's the world that we live in today, a world where the smartness in, in uh, the smartness arms race has ended in a tie. And then the, 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 the little flippant line at the end is in the only one to lose is your customer. But but so the one of two ways, the bad ways it ends is either you zig, they zag, and I don't know what to do, or you're all saying really smart stuff. 
but it all kind of sounds the same. And mm. this, remember we talked about the window of opportunity to differentiate based on solution selling is, is not gone. It's just closed. It's narrowing. I think that's exactly what's happening around insight and quality information. No one should unilaterally disarm in a smartness arms race. Or it's, I don't, I'm not suggesting anyone should show up and be like, have the dumb things to say or something. That's a, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But I, all I'm suggesting is that it may be necessary but not sufficient. So if you're going to be frame breaking in this world, you have to be incredibly accurate. You have to be incredibly precise and you have to probably be pretty provocative to really stand out. It's like, if they're telling me to zig and I'm gonna tell no, no, you should zag. You gotta give me a reason to believe that zagging is better than zigging. That's convincing because the zigging argument or is it the zagging argument was pretty good too, right? So, so do you see what I'm saying? So all of this is to say, it begs this question. I will bring this all around to social selling again in a heartbeat. I promise it's coming. Yeah, there is, is a punchline to this. This is gold. So, so, but it's so, it's, I, by the way, I riff on this not because it's the researchers. It's, just, it's so interesting, right? It's like the, the way this thing evolves over time is this moving target. And at the heart of this is not a selling story or even a buying story, which as I've said for years, at the heart of this whole thing is a human story because the way this all falls apart is not because you know you're not making quota. The way this all falls apart is your customers begin to lack confidence in their own ability to make decisions on behalf of their company, which is not a business thing. It's a human thing. It's like we're losing to status quo, not because customers love the status quo. We're losing the status quo because com- customers don't feel confident to move forward. And mm. we've kind of created this problem with all of this content, among other things that we've put out there. And all the, by the way, there's a whole other side parallel story, which I'll, I'll just glance in and move on, is that just the complexity of the buying process inside the customer's own company. Some of you, your listeners will know this, the slide we put together at Gardner is designed by my dear friend, Martha Mathers, um, on her couch on a Sunday. We call it the long, hard slog. I call it the spaghetti bowl, which is all those arrows. Have you seen this chart with all the, it's like, here's your customer buying journey. And it's just, it's arrows going in all sorts of different directions. It's just, it's a big complex mess and nobody wants to do that. It's awful. I don't, it's not that I don't want to buy from you. It's just, I don't want to buy because my own company's complexity is awful. So, so now I'm overwhelmed with information. I'm overwhelmed with my own complexity. And, and it seems to me, if you're looking now in this environment, this is our environment today, Brent. And I would argue, and if this is the environment being a frame breaker, in this world, I think it's beginning to have diminishing returns. And where I landed in my head about a month ago as I was thinking through this is what if our role was not to be so much a frame breaker, but a frame maker. And I love this language because it just sounds cool when you say it, but, the, but a frame maker captures a very different way of thinking about how you interact with your customers. What if my role was to be more of a guide to, so it's like what we sell to how we sell to how we help. I can help you not feel more confident me, the seller, or more confident my company or my brand or my products with ROI, Dr. Nell, but how do I help you feel more confident in you and the decisions that you're making on behalf of your company? And I can do that by helping you, one, just play, it's on the buyer enable, what we call buyer enable, and so on, the, on that side is like, just actually take on the role of guiding you through your own organizational decision-making complexity. Have you talked to this person? When you do, you probably wanna to talk to them about this. Here's the kinds of things you're gonna to wanna to have to be able to say, and here's how to say them. So I can guide you through that. And so in working with other customers like you, we found that it tends to go off the rails in these three ways. Here's what you're gonna to wanna to watch out for. By the way, that phrase in working with other customers like you, one of the things we learned, that's the, the, the phrase, I call it the phrase, the pays. It's I've used it for 20 years, it's so powerful because now I'm not showing up with my expertise. 
I'm just playing the role of connector. I'm, I'm doing what you want more than anything else. I'm connecting you to other companies like you because that's what you crave is to know what other companies like you've done is social. Again, very human, social norming, social proof. It's just at the business level. So frame making and, and the sense making thing is, I think what happens now, Brent, in this world is we have to approach our, I don't have to, we don't have to do anything, I suppose, but, but it, it would, you're, what is well advised, maybe, to approach what's customer. There you go, right? It's, I, I think it's, it wouldn't be a bad idea. How about that? I'll soften it as much as I can to consider uh, approaching your customer with an information strategy. This is not something that was even close to our radar screens 10 years ago when Challenger came out, but it's like, Looking to up your LinkedIn game? The Social Sales Link team has you covered with our LinkedIn Sales Accelerator, a guided social selling program that includes training, coaching, and so much more. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash in for more details. Again, that's socialsaleslink.com slash in. And what does that even mean? But I've got to think about what information have they likely already encountered, not just from us, but from competitors, from trade associates, from advisory firms like Gartner, what, what information have they already encountered? What conclusions have they probably arrived at as a result of consuming that information? What questions do they likely have? Where are they likely confused? Now, my this an information strategy is, this, first of all, figure that out. And there's ways we can talk about it if you want to. Then and ask yourself, how can I help? And the way that a sense-making sales rep, the way they, and by the way, this is not a personality type. This is not a profile. It's not, I am a sense maker. It's just a technique. It's something any one of us can do is engage in sense-making, not be a sense maker. But engaging in sense-making is essentially approach your customer with this very empathetic posture of, you know, there's a lot of information out there. And I would imagine at some points it's a little confusing. I'd love to, if you're open to it, maybe I can see if I can help you kind of work through it. And the frame-making approach is, just providing them a framework to help them organize, analyze, prioritize that information in a way that makes sense for them. So I'm not telling you what to do. I'm providing a scaffold, a, a structure for you to conclude on yeah. your own what you want to do, because I'm not solving for your confidence in me. I'm solving for your confidence in yourself. So it's got to be done Socratically. You have to believe it's your decision. So my role is to, is frame making is like, here's, here's, working with other customers like you, the kinds of things you want to consider. Here's the, there's a lot of questions out there. I, our sense is based on this evidence that these three questions are the ones you want to prioritize. Um, in the, in the article, I, I profiled a, a company called Expedient. They're in the cloud computing business and Brian Smith. Uh, I talk about him in the article is the, the chief strategy officer there now uh, also head of sales. Brian is, he's just brilliant. He's just so brilliant. And what I've, I've done is back at the before times when we traveled, I used to do is I've done his sales kickoff. And, and one of the things I, I heard Brian say to his entire sales team once is just completely stuck with me. He said, it's our job as a sales organization to help our customers make the best decision they can in as little time as possible. That's it. Our mm. job is to help our customers make the best decision they can in as little time as possible. I want them to feel good about that decision. I want them to feel confident about that decision. And by the way, if it's not for us, it's not for us. But as long as we're the team that help them feel good about that decision, that will come back and benefit, benefit us, if not in the short run, in the long run. I want that to happen quickly because if it's not us, I don't want to take 18 months to find that out. If you're going to lose, lose early, right? So our job is to help our customers make the best decision they can in as little time as possible. And so now all of that. So now you, <laughs> I told you we needed more time. <laughs> for those listening, yeah. Brent said, we'll do it in 20 minutes. Said, no, we're not. That's one answer. But the uh, uh, but but so now yeah. your question. So your question is like, what's what does social what tell me, social. Yeah. how do I make sales social? Well, I mean, there's a very sort of 
this is not the answer you're looking for. Making sales social is like engaging online and being present where your customers learn. And that's what I would have said. But but I think, but it's not just put up another poll, not a, another link to another white paper and you, like one more insight. Those things aren't bad. And that creates a brand, a halo effect around you of a, of a thought leader and as a mm -hmm. smart person. But have a little empathy, right? Ask mm -hmm. yourself, am I just throwing another log on the fire? So that one of the opposite approaches of SenseBank is what we call the giving approach which feels so natural. Giving is just the provision of yet more information to your customers, which we often assume as sellers, that's our primary role. That's the way we deliver the most value is the provision of information. But if your customers are already overwhelmed with too much information, giving them yet another link, another poll, another white paper, another video to watch, this is fuel to the fire. I call this indiscriminate generosity. And at some point, you're actually exacerbating the very problem you're solving. So. So as you engage in social and as you make selling social, I think the new window of opportunity for differentiation is to ask yourself, how can I help my customers feel more confident in the choices they're making? How can I, how can I give them a framework, a scaffold, a guide, a tool, a diagnostic, a benchmark that, that is not going to just be one more piece of information, but is, is, not, is not a product, a piece of information, but a tool for them mm -hmm. to make decisions? I love that. And I remember I think that was one answer to a single question, wasn't yeah, it? I'm no, so sorry, but I, <laughs> do not apologize for your magic. No, it's um, not magic, but but I do. But legitimately, I think this is what's going on. And, and it's super interesting. I don't know. What do you think? What's your take? Is, for, for the trend is phenomenal. There's a, a small piece that brings me back to 20 years ago when we yeah. would help our clients create the RFP or our process. Yeah. Yes. Create the RFP, right? We were yeah. the advisor to help them make sure they were asking the right questions. And, yeah. and so, you know, I have this moment of, you know, that that was really effective. I don't actually even answer RFPs anymore. Or our, yeah. like RFI, maybe. Like, yeah. but I don't sell like that anymore. However, yeah. with this bit of information, essentially that's what we're doing. We're teaching them how to buy the right way, right? That's right. And, 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 In fact, if I may, let me let me just tweak that to a tiny bit because it's it's actually yeah. even cooler and it gives you more opportunity. It's not just help your customers buy the right way, help them decide. What you're solving for isn't buying, which is the thing you want. You're helping them decide. Does that make sense? Don't oh, think of your customers yeah. going on think about your customers not so much going on a buying journey, but a decision journey. Oh my god. Uh, or or if you want a change journey. So so some of my colleagues at Gartner, and I got involved in this towards the end but brilliant, brilliant researchers on the marketing side uh, at Gartner uh, developed this idea of what they called change enablement. Uh, and that's, and Hank Barnes, for example, talks a lot about this in his work that he publishes uh, openly, but the, uh, is how can I, it's not just how can I help my customers go on a buying journey, but a change journey, because every, largely, I want the most complex B2B purchases are tied or associated in some fashion with some sort of organizational change. And the thing that's really hard isn't the buying of the thing, it's actually the whole changing story around it. So as you think about how to enable your customers, how can I help them go on that change journey is a way to think about it. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I have chills. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, reframing is such a huge piece of the way that we've been doing business for the last yeah. decade, right? Yeah, and yeah. So, um, I mean, I do think that this is an extension of that. Right. 100%. This, this is very meta. What I'm doing is I'm reframing the narrative around reframing. Right. It's, it's, it's yeah, that's, that's kind of what's happening. But yeah, so this doesn't mean like, oh, throw challenger out that the party's over people. 
or social selling is over. Uh, none of that's true. It's like social, uh, social is a channel. It is a channel through which to engage your customers, right? And, uh, among others. And the question, but we still have to ask ourselves, how should I engage my customers through social? And that's really what I'm talking about here. And I think that's I where it gets that. really interesting. Yeah. And, and one of the things you said that really resonates with me, and I'll be quoting you probably for the next three years, because <laughs> I always say, where are your customers hanging out? But yeah. the better question is, where are your customers learning? Yeah. I think that's brilliant. And then and question number two is, are you present where that learning is happening? And either yeah. either directly as a human or indirectly through your digital presence or third party indirectly through trade associations. But one way or another, how are you participating in that learning process? And then and then I guess the, the thing I would add today is, and and so where do your customers learn? Are you present where that learning is happening? And are you actually helping? Maybe that's, that's I just did that. That's that's me in the moment coming up with new ideas. But I think that's, that's the third awesome. question I'd add to the two, right? So where do your customers yeah. learn? Are you present where that learning is happening? And are you in fact helping when that happens? Yeah, are you influencing the yeah. way they're doing their, their solution, whatever their, their challenge? I love that. I mean, we talk a lot about with our, with our members often, uh -huh. We talk about stop sharing content you want them to read and start sharing content they want to consume. That's great too. And, yeah. And, and, you know, that's to me, this is, that's that third piece, right? So, you know, where are they learning? Are you, so say it again. So where do your customers learn? Mm -hmm. Are you present where that learning is happening? And are you in fact helping when that happens? So are you bringing value to what they're looking Right. And, well, yes. And, and I think so. But there's a, there's an assumption that we think, are you bringing values like, oh, you mean like this 30 page white paper? And, and yeah. ironically, that may not be bringing it seems valuable because it's great insight. But that actually if, if, if you're actually doing harm and harm in the sense of you're just making them confused at a higher level, that's not valuable. If you're actually making them feel less confident in their decisions, less confident themselves, that's not valuable. That's actually value. Uh -huh. That's yeah. value destructive, not value accretive, right? And so, so the, I think the question becomes, and it this takes, but it's, bear with me. But I think you're, I think you're on this journey with me. It's like this takes a level of empathy to get this right. That we, we, everybody and their dog is talking about empathy for the last five years, and it kind of drives me crazy because it's become almost performative now to say empathy. But if, but, but that's exactly what this is, right? It's like you really have to not just understand your customer's business or get inside their heads. The challenge was all about if you want to understand how your customers think about their business, first thing you have to understand is not their business, but how they think about their business. But it's largely mm -hmm. a cognitive exercise, right? But I, I love that line, by the way. But, the, uh, but this is different. This is it's not how you, you have to understand how your customers feel about their business. You have to understand how your customers feel about themselves as mm -hmm. people, as individuals. And, and, and not, again, in a performative way, but in a, in a really kind of deep, meaningful, connective way and, and different. And what I've learned with my really crappy projection bias, which is gets me in trouble every single day of the week, because I assume everyone must think and feel the way I do. And I'm never right because I'm a jackass. Right. But so it takes a lot of stretching and a lot of thinking yeah. and, 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 and really working very hard to think not just what do people, how do they feel, but how does this person feel? And yeah. knowing that, knowing that this person probably a little different than I am. And they probably see the world through a different lens. And can I, can I think about how I can help them so that they feel better about themselves, given the, the way the physics of their mind works, right? This, yeah. There's, we are so far away from selling now. We're like, like, I mean, but we, but we're not, yes. that's kind of the point, right? It's like, this is selling, yeah. 
but this is humanity. This is living. This isn't just selling. And it's like, that's why I still do this brand after all these years, because I'm, I'm a trained social scientist. That's like my, my career before this all that was, I told you, I was a German professor, a linguistics professor. I'm a trained social scientist, which isn't like a name drive. It's not a geeky. It's just that that's just how my brain works. I just, yeah. when I look at sales, I'm not like, so this is why so much of what's really valuable in the sales profession isn't stuff I touch. Like, should I cold call or should I not? Should I do that on a Thursday? A lot of this mechanical stuff, which is so valuable and so helpful to people, I don't touch. Um, not because it's not important. This is because my brain is wired to look at these really weird human stories that are going yeah. on sort of at the same time. So anyway. So I love it. So I, I'm just going to throw in one other yeah. thing that we teach. And, you know, all of this is influenced by you, by Bob Berg, by yeah. Jeffrey yeah. Kramer. Like in Bob my Berg role. is wonderful. He's so great. Bob Berg's an amazing human being. I love him. I'm, I'm yeah. in his mastermind and, and he just... Just yeah, by the way, for those who are listeners who don't know what we're talking about, uh, the book, uh, there's others, of course, but The Go-Giver, uh, The Go-Giver is, um, it's just, it's just, it's a beautiful book. It's just beautiful. So yeah. if you haven't read it, go. And endless go. referrals yeah. also to the- 100%. Critical. Yeah. So, so yeah. but, but and these deep influences, really, I, I've come, if you ask me, what is my number one philosophy in social selling, mm-hmm. it's detach from what the prospect is worth to you yeah. and attach what you are worth to the prospect. Don't define that in terms of your product, your solution, or Correct. your content, right? Define it in terms of human connection. How am I valuable to this person in my ability to make them feel better about themselves? Not in how am I valuable to this person based on the solution I can sell them, or how am I valuable to them based on the content I can provide them, or how am I valuable in terms... Think about how am I valuable to this person in the way that they wake up and feel about themselves in the context of their company and the decisions they're making every day, because you mean something you as you're, you don't mean, you mean something not as a seller, you mean something as a human being, you have the means, every one of us has the means to make the people around us, to make their lives just a little bit better. By the way, as we all know, we have the means to make their lives a little bit worse. And we've all been guilty of that. And it's a bummer when that happens. But now we're in platitude land, but freaking seize that opportunity to take your own power as a human and use it for good. I'm sorry, now I'm just off in the clouds, but but that's what I, when I look at sales brand, this is literally what I see. And that's why you could tell, I get all kind of agitated about it because there's so much opportunity here, not just to go to Cancun and sell more stuff and hit your quota. There's really legitimately an opportunity here to make the world a freaking better place, which goodness knows we could all use right now. So there you go. <laughs> that's a soapbox moment. <laughs> Oh my good the best soapbox. I, I cannot thank you beyond thank you for your, oh, you're your so welcome. words of wisdom, your gems. You know, I this is such a great moment for me to be sitting here talking with you and getting uh the real Brent Adamson, like you know this is unvarnished just, stuff here, I'll tell you. But but yeah. it, I, you know it's it's a pleasure for any of us to sit down and have a great conversation. And hopefully someone found this interesting. But Brent, I've certainly enjoyed it. And it's you know, I, I, it's a, the pleasure is all mine. It's such a cliche, but, but you know what it is? It's like, I'm, I, I'm deeply humbled by the impact that I've had for you personally and for others who may be listening. I mean, honestly, that's so cool, but let's, I don't know. I just, which is great, but that's like, I'm, I'm also insatiably like, okay, what's the next one? <laughs> so I'm like, see, I am like sales. It's like, so what have you done for me lately? Right. So what's the next way you could have an impact, but I just like, let's just find a way to all connect with each other and feel better about ourselves and make each other feel better about them. It's, it's, it's a cool thing to, that's what sales can be. That's, yeah. that's your vision. I, and I, I will tell you my sense is, and there's bar charts out there, I'm sure to prove this, but 
if you adopt, if you can manage to do even a little bit of that, you will not only do better against your quota, you will have a better quality of life, at least as a professional, your professional setting. You'll just, you'll enjoy your work more because, because you'll, you'll hear things like Brenda said to me, which is amazing, which is, I just so appreciate you. I mean, we live for all of us, like that feels good. And that's within your potential. Any one of you listening, that's what I would say. I love this. Ah, this has just been such a joy for me. Uh, how can our listeners get a hold of you and what would you like them to do? <laughs> to yeah, do? so, well, all right. So, so um, I, I've, as I mentioned, I left Gartner. I'm at a company now called Ecosystems. Um, mm -hmm. Our website is ecosystems.us. Um, soon to change the, we'll probably change the domain on that as we continue to expand globally. But the, uh, um, very briefly, because actually it's, I wouldn't have made this move to, to this specific company if it weren't for amazing people who think like I just described and I want to spend my time with, which is amazing. This is a group of, but there's lots of companies that have really great people. But what's also interesting about ecosystems, Brent, is it, it's a soft, software as a service because everything is these days, right? But what, mm -hmm. what we do at Eco is, and I say we, but it's really all this happened before I got here, is, but boy, I'm here. It's a software platform that allows companies and their customers to sit down collaboratively and discover, discuss, uh, uh, determine the dimensions of value along which they want to measure their ongoing relationship. So this, this fits mm -hmm. under the umbrella of something called value engineering or value management. But this tool is the more I've gotten to know it, the, I'm just blown away by it because so much of what it does goes well, well, well beyond value engineering. It's like, Brent, if you were to think about what's a software playbook that would guide not just sellers, but customers through this collab, through the very conversation we just described, what would that look like? What would a digital experience look like that supported the conversation I just shared with you? That's what I see in ecosystems. And so I am, I'm there to build a community around that, to do research that basically just keep pissing people off and breaking frames <laughs> to do more research. But, but that's, that, that's what we do. So we have a community we built called the, the customer value community. You can find that on our website under the resources tab. I'm on LinkedIn. If, uh, shoot me a note, send me, a, send me an email, say hi. Um, I'm always happy to engage in conversations, um, but that's what I'm up to now. And it's, I, and, and what I'm hoping is, it's just more of the same, more just ticking people off, <laughs> productively, and, and, productively. And, and, <laughs> Brent, thank you so much. Such a pleasure, and uh, you, I'm friend. sure for everyone listening, this was a really good use of your time today. I hope so. Cheers. So have a great day. Thanks. Thanks for listening and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.